0: Hello and welcome to eTourism podcast number two. This afternoon I'm in the offices of Foot Anstey Solicitors in Taunton and I'm talking to Matthew Gingell who's a solicitor specialising in intellectual property with a a particular interest in helping businesses run effective websites. Matthew good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon Kevin.
0: Um, One of the issues I often come across in talking to tourism businesses is entering into a contract with a website design company. because for a lot of businesses, that's quite a large investment. What advice would you offer businesses before they enter into a website design contract?
1: That's an interesting one, Kevin. Um, There's two things here. Uh, Lots of people in the smaller end of the market ask a friend or maybe their son or something to uh, develop a website for them. Now, this is uh, brilliant from a cost-saving point of view, but... Uh, what happens if that person is uh, away when the website goes down, who's going to host it, who owns the domain, so things like that you'll need to consider. Then if you are going to get it professionally made, say w- with a website de- design company, um, you need to consider what are you going to get for your money. Um, any contract that you have with a website developer is probably going to have um, when you're supposed to pay for various things to be developed, um, and we'll include a specification. Now the specification will set out exactly what you're going to get for your money, and it's clear that both people, both the developer and you as the customer, know what you're going to get for your money. I would say the other most, uh, the other important part of um, any contract with a web developer is planning an exit route. Everybody goes into every contract with best intentions of working together for, a, for a. Uh, period of years, but it's quite common that people fall out and having the ability to change your website provider is critical, especially if, um, as we have seen with a lot of tourism businesses, uh, the website becomes the most effective tool for bookings, for example.
0: Matthew, what advice can you offer a website um, owner uh, on the use of images on their website so that they don't um, unnecessarily contravene copyright regulations on on images they've discovered on the web?
1: Yeah, that's a very interesting one. Um, Content is key for any website and images are a very good way to convey messages simply. Any image will uh, attract copyright under the normal copyright regimes, therefore you can't just right-click and use any image that's already on the website. There are various uh, image agencies who track the use of uh, images on the web and will invoice you for their use, so um, beware of that. The best way to get around it is obviously uh, take the images yourself, or if you're commissioning them, make sure that you have the copyright assigned to you so that you have full control over them. The other thing to remember is the subject of the picture may involve its consents. Um, if you're using some models to feature in your pictures, then you need their image right consent. Uh, if they're general pictures of public places, say the beach, uh, for example, then if people are identifiable, you may need to get consent from them, especially if they're minors. The best way around this is to take a a long shot wide angle lens uh, so you can't see uh, people exactly and you can't make out them as individuals Um, and that's the safest way I would say.
0: The, the British public are, are um, adopting the web as a route to their holiday destination in, in great numbers now. 85% of the UK uh, public are planning to either book um, or research or book a holiday online. What advice would you give to a small um, bed and breakfast or a hotel that is planning to take online payments from its guests to ensure that they remain on the right side of the law in terms of the uh, e-commerce directive?
1: Okay, that's a a pretty big question. I suppose the simple answer is by having clear terms and conditions which say when payment is due, how cancellation can be organised, what rights you you get, when you will confirm the booking, etc, etc. Everything about trading on the web and taking payments on the web is about clarity. If you talk to anybody at Trading Standards, they will always say it has to be clear and unambiguous. And making it clear to your clients or your customers what they're going to receive for their money and when is key. This prevents any kind of uh, disagreements later on and if you have to rely on them, which we you hope you don't, then that's uh, the main advantage of having terms and conditions. Um, the e-commerce regulations say that you must uh, give enough information to the consumer to make, allow them to know who they are contracting with. So you need to say, um, your full names and address, uh, if you're trading as sole traders, if you're incorporated as a company, the company name and the company number, uh, the address, um, VAT number if you have one, and clarity on prices is key, clarity on whether things include VAT etc etc.
0: What does a, a business need to ensure that it's got covered in terms of its terms and conditions to make it ensure that it is remains legally compliant?
1: Yeah, there's, there's three probably key documents to any website compliance. Uh, the first is the e-commerce terms and conditions which set out kind of the booking arrangements that we've already discussed. Um, the second would be terms of use. This is for people who are generally using the site, it will say things such as you cannot take our images without our consent, uh, we have no liability for the information that we put up there, etc., etc. The third would be a privacy policy, now a privacy policy will uh, allow the website to comply with uh, the Data Protection Act uh, because uh, when a customer fills out a booking form or uh, goes onto your site and uh, your site places cookies on their computer then you are collecting potentially personal information under the Data Protection Act. Uh, The best and simplest way to comply with that is to have a privacy policy which sets out how, when and why uh, you are collecting information and what are you going to do with that information.
0: As an aside, um, this is something that's often come up in seminars, is people are very aware of the Data Protection Act, but does it apply to a a, a tourism business that has a visitor book? As they come into their hotel and they sign the visitor book, they are gathering that person's name and address and possibly their car registration number. Does that mean they have to register with the Data Protection Act
1: accordingly? Uh, The good news is um, that a visitor's book placed on the reception desk of a of a hotel or bed and breakfast um, does not co- is not covered by the Data Protection Act. Uh, the, re- the reason for this is that it's uh, not on a computerised system and it's not in any order. If it was a-, a manual filing system where I could look up, say, somebody's name in alphabetical order then it may be, but uh, a normal visitor's book is, is fine.
0: Thanks. That's going to reassure a lot of small businesses, I think.
1: Yeah, the Data (laughs) Data Protection Act is a very misunderstood act. And I think the simplest way to convey it is think about how you would like your information treated and then you won't go too far wrong, you know, you, you keep it secure. You keep it, you know, you don't sell it to other people without their consent. Saying that the information commissioner this year is has new powers to find people and will be getting tough with e-commerce businesses. Um, he's come out and said that. So um, it's a it's a case of watch your space and uh, and do as you would have done to yourself.
0: Yes, and if somebody does wish to unsubscribe from your business database, you make sure you take them off as soon as you can. So that
1: yeah, that that <coughs> comes under direct marketing, which is slightly different. Again, um, if you have a, a database of of uh, customers who you want to send, say, an email saying, "Do you want to book this year?" then um, you have to give them the uh, ability to unsubscribe from that. What you can't do without consent is send them an email about a completely different service. So for example, if they stay with you uh, at your hotel or bed and breakfast last year, you can't send them an email uh, offering them uh, a case of wine from your friend's business, um, but you can send them an email saying, do you want to book again next year? As long as there's an unsubscribe on it.
0: Thank you, that's really helpful. C- continuing on with, with, with various aspects of, of, of e-commerce and online law, how does the Disability Discrimination Act apply to the owner of a website and what steps can they take to make sure that it is compliant?
1: Yeah, this, this is an interesting one actually. The Disability Discrimination Act applies to uh, virtually everything including websites um, and lots of people say but how can you make a website accessible to somebody for example who's visually impaired? Well, the answers are, it, it's, it's not a legal basis, it's, it's practical steps. You can um, have the ability to change the contrast, for example, or the font size. Um, other good ways of complying are to have audio content and to have pictures tagged so that somebody can read out what the image represents. Now, don't get too worried about the Disability Discrimination Act. You only have to go uh, to a level that is reasonable and reasonable in the circumstances of what you are providing and how much you are spending.
0: Matthew, one of the questions that often comes up in seminars is, is the liability around the use of a shared computer. A bed and breakfast may have installed either a wireless network or it may have set up a computer in a, in a reception room for, for guests to use to download emails and files and stuff. Now if a guest is, is downloading illegal music files on that computer, that computer's IP address and so on. Who is ultimately, in the eyes of the law, who is ultimately liable? Are we talking about the owner of the bed and breakfast who supplied, the, provided the computer or is it in fact the guest who's now been and gone and taken the files with them?
1: Yeah, this is a very interesting one and the one that hasn't really been uh, decided uh, uh, on any legal standing. Um, ultimately, it's the the person who has the contract with the ISP and who is paying for the broadband. Um, However, uh, this is uh, not a position that I think would stand up in any kind of court. There are practical steps to reduce any risk uh, to you. I think the first one is um, if you have a computer that you let people use, is to set parental controls. Um, Various providers such as AOL allow you to ban certain websites such as pornographic or um, distasteful websites, and that would be a good plan. Um, Also, putting a notice um, on top of the computer that says do not download um, and, and these things show that you've been reasonable uh, and done all you can. Obviously you cannot control um, people's use. With uh, a wireless network um, there may be the ability to uh, require them to have a password to be able to access that. Now when you give them the password you can tell them in effect the terms and conditions of that use in that they shouldn't be downloading any illegal music, any illegal video content. So the the position is unclear but uh, the risk can be reduced uh, if the risk does lie with the, the bed and breakfast.
0: So what you're saying really is they should adopt a precautionary principle have, have a sign saying clearly above the computer, do not download illegal files or whatever. Yeah, it, that,
1: it, that it doesn't have to be too onerous and, no. and, and <clears> usually <throat> in the information books in the rooms it'll say the password to the 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 Wi-Fi network, for example, and I just think a short sentence under there saying something that, you know, you must not use this for any illegal or immoral purpose, I think that does puts people on notice of the terms of the use. Often if you're in a a bigger Wi-Fi network, then there will be terms and conditions placed by the Wi-Fi provider, which people will have to click into once they log on to it. Um, but that's not a, not uh, applicable in all cases.
0: So, just to conclude, are there any other legal issues? We've looked at uh, disability discrimination, we looked at data protection, and the e-commerce directive in this podcast. Are there any other legal issues that you think a tourism business should consider as sort of best practice um, in running their business?
1: Yeah, I, uh, there's two things here. Um, firstly, the introduced uh, in May two thousand eight was some uh, new consumer protection legislation. This is designed to prevent any misleading practices uh, with regard to consumers, um, so you can't use aggressive selling techniques, you can't mislead to people into thinking that uh, they've got a see room for example when they haven't. Um, it, it, it seems fairly obvious, these things, but you'd be surprised how many people fall foul of them, and uh, trading standards do look into that. Trading standards have some uh, very useful uh, information on their website, uh, and I would recommend uh, any trader to go and have a look at that. The other thing that I think people should be aware of is uh, trademark law. We've had instances where clients of ours have set up a, a restaurant, say, under a particular name. Traded quite happily for a couple of years, spent a lot of money promoting, having menus printed, um, having the sign painted, etc, etc, only to receive uh, a couple of years down the line a cease and desist letter from a trademark owner telling them uh, that they're infringing their registered trademark. Um, And and we've unfortunately had to advise that they've had to completely rebrand. So having a look on the Intellectual Property Office website, which is at www.ipo.gov.uk and having a look at the trademark section there would be a, a good start. In conclusion, uh, I think there's a a lot of things to consider here, but don't worry, there's lots of good websites with lots of good information, you can speak to uh, your local solicitor, they will know a great deal about uh, a lot of these issues. Um, And it's to treat customers how you would like to be treated, I think is the message, Uh, and to be clear about um, everything they're going to get for their money.
0: Thank you very much Matthew it's been a great pleasure talking to you this afternoon Um, if you want any further information on some of the websites that Matthew mentioned um, you'll find them at the end of the podcast and um, there's also a link to Foot Anstey web pages uh, which give particular information for tourism businesses so do have a look at those as well thank you very much indeed.